And blessed is she who believed that what was spoken to her by the Lord would be fulfilled. Luke 1, 45. This is CourageCast, encouraging one another so that more will believe. Hey friends, this is Eric Nordoff, and I'm so glad you're back with me this week. Robert Nolan joins us again, and I continue my conversation with him, but this time we get a little more topical, and and, and what's kind of funny is I didn't actually even get to what I had wanted to talk to him about last week, even this week, because we started discussing women in leadership in church today. It's been an issue that's that's really bothered me uh, for a while now. It's something that's very uh, prominent in my home. Chrissy, my wife, is uh, passionate about this issue, and I know many other people are, many other women are, many other men are. And uh, I bring up the topic of Beth Moore. Beth Moore has been a extremely popular author, speaker, in evangelical circles, specifically to evangelical women. And she kind of came out uh, recently in regards to how she has been treated and how men have been treating her. She started speaking more openly recently about politics, about sexual abuse and misogyny and all that she's experienced in the church. And she's been getting a lot of flack from it, quite honestly. And it's really bothered me the way that she's been treated. And I, I wanted to bring this topic up with Robert Nolan and, and surprise, you'll be surprised at his response. And he goes into a very thoughtful response, really off the cuff. He didn't plan this conversation. And I'm sure I didn't really give him, um, you know, he did fantastic, but I didn't give him any warning. So I'm, I'm incredibly thankful that Robert engaged in this conversation with me. He had a lot of great things to say, has a tremendous amount of wisdom. So here it is my conversation with Robert Nolan, as we dive into this issue of women in leadership in ministry and in the church today. Well, I want to welcome everybody to another episode of CourageCast, and specifically, we're here for kind of a part two conversation with Robert Nolan. Thanks, Robert, for being here. Hey, man. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it seems like just a few minutes ago, we hey, finished man, our last episode. But it was really last week. <laughs> it was. It really was. For everyone else, it was last week. Um, but no, I, I thought, you know, last week we talked about uh, the sword and shield, your your 40-day devotional for men. And we got, if you haven't listened to that episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to it because I think it takes the pressure off of us men to, for having to do everything perfect. And we just we just don't need in our spiritual life, we don't need one more thing that will bring shame into our lives. We don't need one more thing that's going to uh, put another burden on us, right? right. Absolutely. Um, I, I love this because it, 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 it arms you, the book, the devotional book arms you, but yet it does it in a way where you're really relating to men from all of your years of experience and writing about these topics and um, Something I didn't mention last week was tell us quickly about some of your past books and th- ministry that you've been doing, speaking that you've been doing, 
what you typically talk about? Yeah. Well, I've been teaching for many, many years, but 10 years ago, um, I, I really began after about 12 years of, of pastoring a church and planning churches, launched out into men's ministry. And then we moved here um, eight years ago, really put full force into that. So I put all my ministry efforts into, into guys because I just feel strongly that if our culture kind of ignores men, and honestly, the church for the most part, when you look at most churches from small to mega churches, you've got women's ministry, you've got children's ministry, you've got women's ministry, but it's you're hard-pressed to find a really good men's ministry. And if they get together on Saturday and eat pancakes, they call it men's ministry. Uh, and that's not what it is. Yep, yep. So that's where my focus has been. So a lot of my resources that I write of my own ministry, and then all of my speaking is is geared toward guys. Interestingly that you bring this up, because this wasn't actually the topic that I wanted to talk about, but this is also a very topical conversation, is the idea of women in leadership in mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. Beth Moore is out there right now fighting a battle with the Baptist denomination, wow. uh, right? Have you seen some of that? I have not. I you just, have not? No, I I really work hard to stay out of the the good that kind of stuff i mean i'm not i don't i don't oppose to anybody staying abreast of it and if somebody talks to me about it i'm certainly great to talk about it but i i really don't know it's to it. it is a very in the in the southern baptist denomination mm-hmm. um southern baptist convention you know beth moore is is kind of right at the forefront in the middle of this this battle and sure. i think there's a there's a movement in the christian realm, I guess. Uh, I don't know what's behind it exactly. And maybe this brings in the other topic uh, that I want to bring in, but uh, of, hey, where, why isn't the church, why is the church so far behind the rest of the culture in the world as far as women in leadership? You mentioned, interestingly enough, that the church is really good at women's ministry, Mm -hmm. but why, why, is the majority of church uh, speakers and pastors, why in many denominations are women not even allowed to pastor a church? And um, that's the big question. I'm not asking you to give me your opinion or your view on it, but I'm just really curious about how we should approach it. And I wonder just off the top of your head, what are some of the thoughts that come up? in you as far as women in leadership, women in eldership yeah. um, at a church? What what does the Bible say about that? Again, I haven't, I'm not giving you yeah. a fair shake at this because you haven't probably done a lot of research on this, or right. maybe you have, but yeah. I'm just curious your, your initial thoughts. Well, first of all, I think in today's current culture, even in the church, wherever you land on this, you're not going to win. Because you, there's just one of those line in the sand things, uh, and there are many issues today. And it's interestingly, it's interesting to me. I mean, you read the letters of Paul, and you know he was constantly dealing with the issues of people drawing lines in the sand, and him having to say, "No, no, no, it's this." And I, but I think you, we're either going to believe Scripture or we're not. And I don't see, I don't see Scripture as a buffet where you pick and choose what you're going to eat. I see it as the menu, and this is what you get. And so for me... But what if people read the menu differently? Yeah, and they will. They're going to do that. Um, and I, and certainly we can do that because um, we all are given free will and free choice, and God gives us our own brains and hearts and everything else to make those decisions. And then our life experience and everything else comes into play with that. But for me personally, I think that 
it it comes it should never have it should never be labeled as some sort of competition between men and women for those things. It's more about God saying these are the roles that should be that should be allowed and, and done. And I think oftentimes when things are viewed from a Christian standpoint as something that's a negative toward women, I think very often those are that's a protection of women. How do you mean? Well, um just just in the roles like like is I I hate when I even hear the words that Beth Moore is out fighting a battle. Yeah. Like who's the who's the guy standing out in front helping her? I mean, I'm not saying anything about her husband. I don't know who the guy is actually, but but it's a point of like that's it right there to me is um is there has to be a battle about that. Like my personal belief and I'm not I don't want to go off on a tangent on a tangent here, but I think this is important in this discussion is we've learned and taught for years that well, God created Adam, and then He saw He needed a helper. He created Eve, and then Eve messed the whole thing up. Right. You know, right. there's even a line in Sarah Bareilles' new album where she com- she says she comments about that. You know, in it, and I'm like, I'm like, girl, I hear that. You know, I get that. And why is that? That that would be a question for me too. But it's clear when you look at Scripture that first of all, we don't remember, or we don't read it, or we don't get it, or we're not taught it, I'm not sure what it is, that when you read the scripture word for word in Genesis, what it says, whenever God gave the rule of the garden, you can eat anything, anywhere in this garden, except for the one tree. He said, don't eat the fruit of that tree. Eve hadn't even been created yet. Ooh, wait, so that's a timeline thing. It was the. It was only heard by Adam. Yes. Adam's ears... Yes. Heard that instruction. Yeah. And then he God said, okay, I'm giving you the rule of the garden. Now, I see that you don't need to be alone, meaning someone of your kind. And so God starts creating the animals. He brings the animals before Adam. Adam You named, mean before Eve? Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, before he brings them before but Adam. Yeah, he brings them before Adam. Mm-hmm. And and one by one. And uh and so what Adam does is is he names them. Mm-hmm. Which my buddy Brad Stein, who's a comedian, says, you know, he was really confident when he named the hippopotamus, but by the time he got to the fly, he was so exhausted, <laughs> fly. he could only say what it did, fly, you know, which is which is great. Because you think about naming all the animals, but, he, but they didn't have a timeline at that yeah, point either. Right, right. So he does all that at the end of all the animals when Adam's named them, but God saw that none of them were suitable. Mm. That's when he had the idea of creating a woman. Now, it's, you know, and, and that's where we get into a lot of other things. There, he could have just cloned Adam. Mm-hmm. That'd been weird. Yeah, but he didn't. He mm-hmm. was a creator, not a cloner. Mm-hmm. So what he did was he created something like Adam, yet totally different, which mm-hmm. is what creation is all about. And so then, but he must have created. This is a side note. He must have created the animals, female and male, before yes. he created the men. Yeah. Well, we the man. Yeah, we don't know that. I mean, maybe once he was created, he saw that, oh. Yeah, it never is mentioned. There's a pattern here. And that's what we got to be careful of. How much we read into scripture that's not there, and we make assumptions on it, and how much we put there that's that's not there. And so so what's so cool is, is whenever, and I've been reading the, the New Living Translation a lot in the last couple of years, it says whenever he brought Eve before Adam, made made out of him, uh, Adam's response was, at last. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I saw all these other incredible things that you mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. I mean, the elephant and the zebra and all these other things. But but basically what it says, at last, this fits my need. 
This is who I wanted. Yeah. And that's when it came. Now, when the serpent shows up, isn't it interesting that he went to Eve and not to Adam, and he starts manipulating, and she gives back close to the right answer, but not quite. And then it says that she took the fruit and she ate of it, which was the wrong thing to do, obviously. But what we miss, maybe in our male-dominated culture, I don't know why, why, what we miss is it says that Adam took the fruit and ate because he was right there with her. In fact, Scripture even says he was right there with her. So he wasn't off communing with God and you know, walking through the pastor talking. He wasn't taking care of an animal. He was standing there watching the whole thing go down. So for me, if I'm looking at, even from a logical standpoint in the story, who really should get the blame first for this? Absolutely, Adam. The one who was told by God. So Yeah, because Eve wasn't told. As far as we know, we, we can assume know. We maybe there was some instruction. You know? Yeah. Did God pull her aside and go, hey, I need did to Adam, tell you? Did Adam, did Adam say Adam? anything? No, now, this, as far this, as we know. I'm going to say, this is my personal interpretation. Don't don't write Eric and tell him how off base I am. This is my personal interpretation. Right, Robert. You have you have your own. <laughs> I want you to have your own, in fact. And if you totally disagree with me, that's great. But what I personally believe, because you have to connect all scripture together and you have to look at what Jesus did, how what Jesus finally accomplished that Adam failed in is, is I believe God said, I'm going to put you in authority of this place. And it's and it's not his authority over Eve wasn't about domination. It was about protection and security and cooperation. So anyway, he uh, he presents that. Uh, um, this this whole thing, this whole situation goes down. I think God's desire was for Adam to step up and go, hang on, buddy. You're uh-uh. not you're not going to talk to her. You're going right. to talk to me. Yeah, I'm taking care of this because God put me in authority of this situation. I know what He said. You're not going to twist His words. Now get out of here. That's what Jesus accomplished. That is exactly what Jesus, and that's why Paul in his letters calls Adam the first Adam and Jesus the second or the last Adam. Yeah, and basically the last Adam accomplished what the first Adam couldn't. But that's where everything went haywire. So to me, all of these battles that aren't new where gender equality and all those kind of things all go back to that one moment and the confusion that occurred by roles not being taken care of correctly, by Adam ultimately being the one that I think was was not responsible. Because think about it. God is God. Couldn't he not go over and just flick Satan away? He could have, but, but why didn't he? He couldn't. But he created order. He yeah. created, he he said, this is how this is all going to be. These are the roles that I desire to see played out. I'm not going to interfere with this. I've given them choice, just like Satan had a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it still doesn't answer the question of uh, what's, well, you did answer your thoughts. You gave your opinion about eldership. Uh, and, and I think that that's an interesting, it's definitely where some of the controversy lies. Well, here's another, but here's another thing where I think a lot of churches get close to scripture, but not quite. There's a lot of churches that say we have deacons and we have elders, or maybe they don't even have elders. They just have deacons, but those deacons can only be male. Well, scripture clearly calls a number of women deacons or deaconesses. Uh So it's clear that was a male and female role. Mm Mm-hmm. But the elders were very select, 
and who that was. But I think, again, that falls back to God's order. It's not about exclusion of anyone. It's about order. Mm-hmm. It's about order. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to put your head around order. Mm-hmm. Uh, ver, uh, you know, and and not be emotional about it, especially when there's been a lot of wounding, a lot of wounding yeah. by by men mm-hmm. towards women. And I think probably a lot of this needs to be about repentance for what other men have done in the past, possibly. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, to just sure. surrender and say, "I'm, I, I truly want to repent before you on behalf of." the men that have hurt you and have wounded you mm-hmm. um, because that's not the way it should have been done. It should have been handled in a much more loving way in very much the same way that, that and because it's because of Jesus that we can do that. Correct. Right. And yeah. res- that restores yeah. order, hopefully yeah. yeah, with forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And then, then you begin to start to see those wounds be healed. Yeah. And then, and then possibly a woman would, would be more receptive to God's order. Yeah. Um, if it were done correctly, absolutely. If it, yeah, if it were done well. Yeah. Um, let me. Yeah. Let me go in because I think I think this is a good place to interject this. And if if you didn't tune us out, if you're still <laughs> with us here, uh, I think this is a good point to good place to take this um, because this is goes from men women. This is, goes to all of us. Is is uh, years ago when I first became a Christian, and it was odd how pretty quickly. Um, I started being asked to give my testimony, and then I started being asked to speak at youth events. And so I kind of followed the trend at that time of the trend during that time, which would have been in the, you know, it would have been in the um, like late 70s, early 80s, was to preach against things. It was, and particularly it's like, let's talk against sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Well, you could go hear messages against sex, drugs, and rock and roll and have no reason why you're even supposed to give those things up. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, let's not talk about Jesus. Let's talk about right. what we're not supposed to do, right, right. which is a culture we all came out of in that era. What God started showing me very quickly is don't get off on tangents. Don't do that. You talk about me and you present the gospel. You print the message of me. Let me take care of the issues because... If I go and tell you, here's how you need to believe about gender equality and about men and women, and I tell you that, what good is my word? Like, what I want to do is make sure if you will focus on a relationship with Christ, if you'll make the Bible the central truth of your life, then I'm going to trust that God is going to be able to tell you what you need to believe about that. So I made it, I made, I think years and years ago, I just made a, a principle in my life that I will not debate anybody on any issue political, spiritual, anything, because I have never, ever met anyone who said, hey, you, are you a believer? Yeah, I am. How did you become to know Christ? Well, I was debating this guy over some difficult <laughs> issues, and he just outshouted me. <laughs> right, and right. so I had no choice but to succumb to Jesus. Especially on social media. Yeah. There's no way you can win on no, Twitter. You don't. No. And so, And so to me, it's like focus on the gospel the centrality of the truth of Scripture, and then let people decide for themselves. And then let me end with this. The whole fact that we have to say, there's this big battle out there today in Christianity. Meanwhile, the world is going to hell. Mm. Are we really focused on the right thing there? Mm. Truth bomb. (laughs) Drop this Heil PR40 mic. You know, the enemy does not care what issue (laughs) <laughs> that we're going to debate each other on and make a national news with the Southern Baptist Convention or whatever the big name speaker is. And there's going to be others after this. He doesn't care what that is or how that is, as long as it's controversial, as long as it's dividing people. 
But what if we dropped some of this and said, if they're presenting, you know, one time the disciples went to Tanner Jesus and go, hey, those guys over there, <laughs> like they're doing some stuff that we do and we don't like it. And he's like, hey, if they're doing it in my name and, it, and it's happening and they're, they're, they're about me, leave them alone. Mm. Well, hello. <laughs> <laughs> what a great example. What a great example. Yeah. Why, why, why do we as Christians just bicker and fight? with one another and instead why don't we drop our weapons and quit trying to build walls and and try to uh protect yeah. ourselves in a, in a in a way that's that's not necessary i mean you're you do call talk about the sword and shield but in yeah. this case yeah that's not the battle that we're trying to fight no that that battle is against evil not against each other and and, and even that passage that we talked about in the last one about me i get this whole imagery out of ephesians 6 that whole thing is not about fighting in the kingdom or even the world. We don't battle against flesh and blood. Well, if we find ourselves fighting in person or on social media with a person, we are battling the wrong thing. Mm. That is not where our fight is. That yeah. is not where our fight is. Yeah. And so probably the best thing to do, if you if you find yourself in that position, and you've already thrown some arrows, shot some arrows at someone, is to, is to call a timeout. Mm -hmm. This is what I would suggest. Mm -hmm. And say, wait a minute, you know what? I was wrong. I'm seeing the error of my ways. I've been trying to fight you and that's been the wrong thing to do. That was, that, that was wrong. And I, I hope you'll forgive me for that. Let's stop fighting this battle yeah. and let's move towards a way that we can come together and reconcile our differences. Um, can I possibly. tell you a really quick story that I think yep. will wrap this all up? Yep. Yep. Um, years ago, I was in a Christian band, and uh, you know, and I had really long hair and played drums, which is already evil in a lot of churches, you know, right there. And so, but we got asked to be at this youth camp by this group of youth pastors, this huge youth camp. There's 1,500 kids there, but there was three youth pastors that were really trying to change the paradigm. We didn't know they were trying to change the paradigm. So we get invited in to do uh, to sing in the worship service, which we did something very low-key, and then do a full concert, which what we always did was we did contemporary Christian music songs, not hymns and such, but then we always took it down and we delivered the gospel. And we were very successful at leading a lot of kids to Christ through that method. These guys knew that. So they invite us to this very, very conservative, very religious camp. To, to do what we do, I'm back at the drums, and we're doing our thing. We're third song in. I look and see this very, very angry man standing in front of the speakers, trying to listen to the words, which were all Christian words. Another man joins him, and I'm watching this going, my two guys up front don't see this happening, and this does not look good. Start the third or the fourth song. Guy storms onto the stage reaches and grabs the mic out of the stand from the singer while he's, while we're singing a song, we stop the music. He, I'm not kidding you. This really happened. He looks at 1500 kids who are into it and goes, you kids go back to your cabins right now, right now. He turns around and looks at us and goes, you boys pack up your stuff and go home and stormed <laughs> off the stage. And we're standing oh there and, and you know, 1500 people are going like, what just happened? Oh. So these three youth pastors, immediately running up to the stage. And they're like, hey, 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 wait, 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 wait. Hey, hey, gentlemen, can you, can you guys? Well, these were the directors of the camp. 
they didn't know what was going to happen. These guys didn't communicate what was going to go down and what the purpose was. So these these two oh, youth no. pastors, these three youth pastors invite these two men and us three guys backstage. So was everybody just waiting or yeah. did they just Well, they just kind of started walking away in, you know, in shock. <laughs> and uh and so they invite us backstage. And so what begins to happen is these guys start talking about throwing out scriptures and how you know we're, we're using a beat and the beat is evil and the music is wrong and what we're doing and and all this kind of stuff. And my two, my other two guys in the band were starting to say, "Well, you've got to understand what we're trying to do." And so this reasoning, quote unquote, reasoning began to start up. And I'm sitting there just as this you know long haired <laughs> stupid drummer, mm-hmm. um, listening to all this, and I just got to looking at it going. This is a ping pong match. It's never going to stop. Right, like right. we aren't going to change these dudes' minds, and they're not going to change ours. And so I let it go for a little while, and the youth pastors were kind of watching it. And I go, "Hey, hey, hey, cut, time out!" Did mm-hmm. exactly what you just said. Yeah, it's what reminded me of the story. And I said, "Hey, um, let me just say, do we all agree that Jesus Christ is the Lord?" And John fourteen six is the tr- is true. Mm-hmm. And everybody nodded their heads. Yeah. And I said, "Okay." Let's know that that's our common ground, mm-hmm. and let's end this fight. Yeah, yeah. And one of the youth pastors prayed, and everybody walked out. Uh huh. But that's that's the thing is coming to. Can we can we stop talking about what divides us and get to what our common ground is? Yeah. Oh, that's so good. What does John fourteen six say? Uh, it's the the truth, the life, and the way verse. Oh, okay. I am the way. Yeah. I am the truth, and I am the life. Yeah. Well. Uh, this is that does sum it up really, really well, and I think that is the antidote for so much of our problems in the culture today. Yeah. I didn't even get to ask you my main question because I went off on this tangent. I smell a third episode. Yeah, I, we might, we might. If you have some energy left for a third episode, okay, all right. So Robert Nolan is dominating this <laughs> month here. Now he is he is now moving into the third week in a row. Are are we are we really going to do this to you? Yes, we are really going to do this to you. So friends, thank you so much, and uh, Robert, thanks so much for for sure. being with us. We got one more episode to come, so uh, stick with us. And next week we'll be back with Robert Nolan, and I think I'll finally get to my question, <laughs> this topical question. All right, thanks, friends. Hey, Anthem. Hi. What you doing? Um, nothing. Guess what is coming up? What? We've got a song that you're releasing, right? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your song. I made a song and (laughs) I made it in when I was like seven or eight. You wrote it when you were seven or eight? Yeah. With who? With mom. Yeah. What's it called? Son, you smile. Can you sing me a little part of the song? Yeah. Go. Sunlight breaking through my gray skies. Everything's all right. Every time you smile. I bet people are going to be excited about this. So look for a music video. That we're going to be filming in October, early October. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Are you excited? Yeah. All right. And it'll be on Spotify and iTunes and everywhere else. So you can look for it. It's Anthem. It'll be 
by Anthem, right? I don't think it's going to be yeah. Anthem Nordhoff. I think it's just going to be Anthem. No, right? Anthem Nordhoff. Anthem Nordhoff? Okay. So it'll either be Anthem or Anthem Nordhoff. You smile on Spotify and iTunes. And YouTube. And it'll be a YouTube music video coming soon. Do you want to promote your YouTube channel? Yeah. Talk about that. My YouTube channel is called Awesome Anthem 21. You should go. Go subscribe right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Okay. I've only posted four videos. <laughs> so the, the YouTube channel is Awesome Anthem 21. Go subscribe to Anthem's YouTube channel. That's also where your the video is going to be. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for joining me, Anthem. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Courage Cast. I want to invite you in to taking the next step in your journey towards living your most courageous life. You can do that very simply by visiting courageouscommunity.com forward slash challenge. That's courageouscommunity.com forward slash challenge.